Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. Oh my goodness, I'm always so excited when I'm in this space and I am joined today oh, by the beautiful Lee Harris, who is a globally acclaimed energy intuitive channeler and musician who offers grounded practical teachings focused on helping conscious, intuitive and sensitive people to heal, thrive and live a better life. How incredible is that? Lee, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Soulful Sound podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. As you know, I have a I've loved your cousin for a long time. So yes. when you reached out, it was just a it was just a joy to to come and meet you and yes. learn about all the brilliant stuff you're doing. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much. And the thing is that I've been following you and your work for quite some time, in fact. Uh, so it's such a pleasure to connect with you in this way. Really, really beautiful. Normally, when I plan for my podcasts, I will do my research, I'll have a look at, you know, my guests and what they're doing. And I'll think, okay, I'll just jot some questions down. And I did do that. But interestingly, as I was doing that in this process, something in me senses that this conversation is going to go somewhere I don't even know, it's just going to go. And so I do have a few questions, but I'm really keen to hear the answers and things that come up from you and uh then we can just we can just gel and move with that so yes shall we get my started? kind of conversation <laughs> yes so i have been listening i've been so much enjoying and listening to your latest book conversation with disease ah. i've been following your energy updates for years i've been following you but when i've started listening to the book what was happening when i started planning my questions is every time i got a little further in you answered it so I thought, well, what do I leave out now that I know the answer and what do I leave? In? And so I just gelled with that a bit. And this is some of these are some of the questions that I feel would be still important to, to answer, even though I've heard some of it in, in the book so far. And of course, I will recommend that book later. But for anyone listening just to this first part, life changing, pick that book up now, whether it's on Audible, which is my preference or, um, in, you know, the hard copy. It's an incredible, incredible read and listen. Oh, thank you. That's great. I'm so glad. I'm so glad yes. you're enjoying it. And, and, and everyone yes. who I've heard is enjoying it. So thank you. Oh, yes, of course. So the first thing I wanted to ask you about was you spoke about when you kind of first had this introduction with disease. And these 88 beings from the ninth dimension that you enter into conversation with. And you spoke about maybe being in your 20s, I, I think you said around 23, where you heard this voice that you knew wasn't yours. It wasn't your own like negative dialogue or self-talk and things like that. And the words you used to describe the difference were really poignant. You said that there was clarity, certainty and energetic brightness to mm. this, these voices that, that came through. And in my listening, I've also noticed that when you are channeling disease, that your resonance changes, your pitch and the rhythm changes when you're in channel mode. And there's this this depth to the melody and the rhythm as well. It's almost like this 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 different symphony to when I'm hearing you speak. Beautiful but and different. And it's just a really interesting noticing. 
So the first question is just to hear a little bit more about that introduction. And then the follow-up question, which I'm happy to repeat, is just maybe what advice or suggestions you can give others who are wanting to connect with their guides or other beings. Mm. Wow. Great questions. Okay. So, you know, I was, um, I was 23 years old and I was on the London underground, which we in England called the tube. And I was on my way to my job in fundraising and I was going through all of the negative thoughts I had in my head at the time I was an aspiring singer songwriter and like I think many of us in the early 20s, you're, you're in that weird place where you, you're you not very far out of being considered a child, but mm. you still don't know enough about who you are as an adult or the adult world to not have a lot going on. You know, I always, yeah. I, I reflect on the 20s and I I think, God, oh, they're, they're, they're tough. Uh, they can be very tough for many of us. Mm. So I was in that place and you described the energetic brightness Mm. And the way I can best describe it is if my negative thoughts that day were making me feel like this, mm-hmm. when I would do the channeling and get the channeled answers, it wasn't just the information that did it, but something would make my whole body and aura just open up. And it, and it was it was kind of like, a, oh, everything's okay. Not in a bypassy way. It wasn't that they ever discounted my feelings or said, oh, don't worry about that. That's not the way they spoke to me. And I think if they had, they'd have lost me because I was someone who had a lot of feelings that I still hadn't yet figured out how to balance Mm. and own and, uh, and, and, and kind of be a guardian of, uh, you know, kind of all of those three things I think is, is the work that we do as feeling people. And so when they came in, I remember thinking, oh, you know, God, is this schizophrenia, which back then was the term. Nowadays, we tend to call it multiple personality disorder. And my first thought when I had that, having had a conversation with them was, well, if it is, cool, I got a really useful one. You know, it's like, <laughs> I know that's not yes. the, it's not an appropriate thing to say, but that was, that was my rationale. I was like, well, I'm not going to stop speaking to this voice because some <laughs> of the things they're saying are, I don't want to say mind blowing because I think that's an overused word. And I think that tends to take us out of ourselves, but to my life and my perspective, yes. what was mind blowing was the shift these conversations would create. I would go from being annoyed at somebody for something to having them say, no, no, this is your problem. And here's why. Instead of getting defensive or feeling told off, they would explain why it was my problem and why I was in a contracted state against this person. And suddenly the whole thing would shift, not just in my mind, but energetically, I would start to release. So that was the process. And Mm. as someone who was a huge advocate for things like tarot readings, I loved like going for tarot readings since I was 16, something in the energy in a tarot reading, of course, you have to have the right reader for you. It has to be aligned. It's like anything. I always say, don't stop at the first therapist and blame therapy. You yes. know, don't stop at the first, <laughs> don't stop at the first tarot reader and blame tarot, tarot readings. Like anything, yes. we all need resonance and who's right for us. Yeah. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? 
Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. Yes. But I was skeptical about channeling. I was taken to see a channeler and about a year before it happened to me. And I remember coming out of the room and he was a really nice man. And I liked chatting to him and his wife before, but then we did the session, his eyes closed, his voice changed. And I remember leaving and thinking, well, he's got some great intuition and advice, but why did he have to put on that voice and like do a performance? Why couldn't, I didn't understand. And mm. and I totally get why uh, people would think that of me now. Like, you know, they think, oh, it's a performance or they're making it up or, mm. and I'm like, honestly, if you, if you really think that doing that <laughs> is, is like a mass appeal thing, you're greatly yes. wrong. Yes. And actually for me, if anything, what I had to overcome was my own uh, discomfort around doing it in order to do it publicly when I started about about five, six years after I'd been doing it privately for myself and then for a few mm. close friends and family, well, not family, but it, close friends who knew what I did and were into it. Yes. Yes. And actually that does lead me on to my next question, which is how did you, this, this human challenge, how did you overcome that feeling of being accepted or understood by others, at least in the beginning stages of this expansion and this connection? Because as you said, how do you explain to someone, oh yeah, no, I hear beings from the ninth dimension and uh, this is what, you know, how do you explain that? And what, what did you have to do yourself to overcome those challenges? I'm not a very scientifically minded person. I have friends who are. So it's interesting. I didn't like the ninth dimension thing is a fairly new thing okay. that they've talked about in the last few years. The 88 beings was not something I knew for about six or seven years. I knew they were a big group yes. and they had explained we're a group. So it's like I get pieces of information when other people ask the questions. I had a friend who was also channeling and they wanted to know everything about where are you from? Da, da, da. I didn't care about any of that, actually. Right. It was kind of, it was almost <laughs> embarrassing because there were other people who go, oh, and where are they? And I'd be like, oh, uh, I don't know. I haven't, I would, I had a much more feeling-based relationship with them mm. where to me, the evidence was all about how I noticed the energy change because of my communication with them or because of someone else's communication with them. So for me, the energy was the evidence yes. because as an energetic person, I could feel it, see it, know it. Mm. Whereas other people, and still we have this in society today where there are the people who will go, who will disconnect science from energy without actually understanding that science is the study of energy. Yes. It's just catching up. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so it's fascinating to me that this division that we kind of draw, but, you know, in answer to your question, I think for me, it was a slow process of being comfortable with it enough to say it to the people I was doing work for around it. But I, honestly, I was very, um, I segmented it a lot and mm. I basically just wouldn't talk about it. Like even my family didn't know that I was doing clients for the first two years almost. Mm. And it got to the point where I, 
I had a job working for my friend, uh, helping her run her business. I, she was an entrepreneur. She was a horse whisperer. And so I would do a set amount of hours a week for her, um, admin and some promotion and all those kinds of things. And then I would have to finish my day job and then go and do these readings because they just kept coming from around the world. Mm -hmm. So there came a point when I had to tell my family. So I would say very, very slowly. Mm -hmm. And I learned to read the room. Like, is this person the kind of person I can say this to? And I was always very much need to know basis. I was not someone walking into the room going, hi, I'm channeling because I was very (laughs) aware and I didn't want that to um, disconnect me from people. And I knew for some people and still today, you know, there's someone in my life who I'm reasonably close to and who I've been in and around for quite a few years. And, um, they they through 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 a a relative connection they didn't know i was a channeler i don't you know that just i guess hadn't come up in their awareness and just recently they said this really clashes with my religious beliefs and um i believe you're opening yourself to the devil and the devil is everywhere and the devil is trying to get us and i was like wow like this is so wildly different to my set of beliefs about earth, but they're this person's beliefs. Yes. And so that was very interesting to me, you know, so I, I, I don't think it's gone away. I think you just learn how to deal with it, how to mm-hmm. hold yourself in it and you do the benefits outweigh the challenges. That's always my barometer. Right. Yes. I think that's wonderful. And I like you, you spoke about reading the room, because to me, there's something very um, beautiful and intuitive about that in all situations, right? You know, connecting with other people, whether you're doing a workshop, or you're doing something, you might be delivering the similar, the same kind of information, but the people in the room really can, you know, if you're sensitive enough, and intuitive enough, guide things in a whole different way, which is kind of like what I said about this conversation, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I'm loving it so far. And I love that just before I move on, though, I want to go back to that second piece of the first question. So the advice or, or suggestions that you would give to other people who are thinking, you know, what I'd really want to get in touch with my guides or deeper connection with my intuition, whichever way you want to shape it. What are some of the things that they can start doing if they're at that beginning stage, but willing? Well, actually I did a a free class, which is on YouTube and Simone, maybe we can put the link in the show notes. It's about an hour long and it's maybe it's longer than an hour and it's called working with your guides. I did it a few months ago. So that's a free, like full on, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, hour and something if you want it, but I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. I always say to people that you don't necessarily need to get in touch with your guides. That's not that shouldn't that doesn't need to be the ultimate aim right but getting in touch with the voice of your soul or your higher self is vital mm. because we all have a, a wider aspect of of ourselves than our mind so you some people call it soul some people call it higher self yes. some people call it higher power god whatever it is for you mm. try and not worry so much about where you're trying to get to but just yes. open up that intuitive conversation so a very simple way to do it. Take a pen and paper, or if you prefer typing, pull up a blank document and simply write, what does my soul want to tell me today? Mm. Change the word soul to higher self or whatever you whatever you feel comfortable with, but what does my soul want to tell me today? And then take a moment, 
and just start writing what comes to you. Yes. Usually people go, well, how do, how do I know I'm not making it up? And I always say, you are. Yes, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> as a channeler, I'm not, you know, I'm not taken over by spirit. You know, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to channel for a group now, or I'm going to channel for myself. Our humanity is still involved. And I think this stems from our very old indoctrinated beliefs that spirit and humanity are separate. Yes. Whereas you only have to look at nature or animals or, or just the way that we as humans can interact with each other and light each other up to see that spirit's moving through everything. Yes. So mm. you are making it up. So don't let that be a barrier to you free writing and basically just seeing what comes through. And what you'll notice is a lot of people, when they first do this, it's very moving to them. Yeah. I remember working with a client for many years and she uh, she wanted to learn to channel and she was very skeptical at first when she started channeling because she was a tough cookie. She was a brilliant woman, brilliant businesswoman. And I really had a real soft spot for her, but she was tough mm. and she was a straight shooter. And she was writing this channeling for herself and, and she was like, oh, I don't think it's really working. I'm not really getting any useful information. And I said, okay, we'll share some of it with me. And she shared it and it was it was it was really nice. It was quite loving to herself about herself. And I said, have you ever spoken to yourself that way? And she went, no. And I went, that's how you know you're channeling. <laughs> because first of yeah. all, what happens is you need to be calibrated to a more loving frequency than we as humans have perhaps been invited into and trained into culturally. I think in our family groups or in our intimate friendships, we're very good mm. at cultivating love and intimacy, but tribally, and if you look at how divided our world is often encouraged to be, yeah. mm -hmm. that's not in our wiring. So what, what channeling first often does is calibrates you to love and to see yourself in a more loving and compassionate way than you may have. And then the more you practice it, the more you start to see interesting information. So I always say, what does my highest, what does my soul or my higher self want to tell me today? Mm. You do that three times a week for a month. Yes. And it only has to be five minutes. You'll be surprised at what will shift because the more you focus a little attention there every now and then, the more that way of seeing and perceiving the world starts to become your, your I won't say your reality, but included in your reality. I have a very grounded view of life and a very intuitive view of life, and they, they intermingle all the time. So yeah. to me, that's what the benefit of a channeling practice or an intuitive practice can do for you. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the dance in those two spaces because I'm often finding myself um, moving around. I do te personally tend to have to ground quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a relatively grounded person, but I like my foot in that other space so much that sometimes I'm like, okay, just come back into this space and dwell a little bit more. So it's an interesting dance in, for my, in my personal practice. And I really relate to what you said about intuition as well, because when I teach people to become sound healers, there is the science part, understanding music and frequency and sound and intervals and, you know, all of this stuff that we learn in physics and things about energy. And then there's the intuitive piece. And how I often talk about it, very similar to you, is that you'll be doing something and then something will come up and often you'll have the internal dialogue, that part of you that's questioning, is this real? Is this really happening right now? Is Am I really, is this real, you know? 
And I said, rather than shut that part of you down, just ask it a question. What if it is real? Mm. You know, this is just information. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just information. And if you take it as just information, then often when you're called to share it with a client, it will either resonate or it won't. But it's just information. So I love that you're talking about that free writing in a way that just let whatever wants to come come through. You're not there to judge it. You're just there to let it out. And then you'll start to notice that shift and that pattern as things as things evolve. Yeah, and I love what you just described so so well, which is the rewiring process we go through, which is actually a far bigger part of it than the doing of the channeling itself. Because it's what I've found... You know, I think some of the biggest workshop rooms I've done, because I've done all sizes over the years, but even when I've been in a big room of, say, you know, 300, 500 workshop participants, whenever I propose this exercise to the room, Mm. at least 50% of them look horrified and go into contraction. And, you know, it's like, I thought, we're here, you're supposed to do that. I'm just supposed to sit here and watch and listen. And yet it's always those people. I've never seen anybody. There was one one lady once who said, oh, I didn't get any words, but I just felt really peaceful. Is that wrong? And I said, no, that's great. You you connected to something, but I'm always blown away by how everyone can do it. But one thing I'm reminded of is why don't we? And I have that too. Like I, you know, I've had periods in my life where I'll suddenly go, hang on a second. Why am I not channeling about this? I, you know, I've been pondering this thing for three or four days. I'm much better now because I've learned to remember that I will have amnesia Mm. around spirit, even though I do it for a living, because they say we all forget Mm -hmm. that we can connect at any moment because it's not in our programming. And programming that relationship so that your spiritual connection can be a part of your life. It's a little bit like finding a limb that you didn't know you'd lost. It's like suddenly a piece of your life clicks in and it can enhance the whole of everything that you, you do. And I think that's one of the, um, I think that's one of the missing understandings. What I often see in the war against spirit or intuition is some idea that you are supposed to abandon who you are and immerse yourself into yes. this intuitive realm. No, it's just a forgotten piece, a forgotten mm-hmm. aspect. And mm-hmm. so, it's, it, yeah, I love the way you described it because I think that journey is the real work when it comes to channeling, letting yourself reprogram how you saw it, how you saw yourself. Yeah, that's beautiful. A lot of rewiring and reprogramming needed. Oh, yes. Mm, not the truth. Indeed. <laughs> and I wanted to ask you a question, actually, and I had this in mind listening to the book earlier, um, based on some of the things that you just shared. And I know that a lot of people have this question. So it is obviously when you're in a channeling mode, as you said, you're not separate. It's not like you've gone off and they've overtaken your body and you don't have mm-hmm. no clue where you are or anything like that. At the same time, my question is really how much do you witness in the moment? And then how much then do you reflect or listen, even listen back to yourself or the messages that have come through you? Yes. So I have never listened to, uh, I think I've listened to 30 minutes of one of the conversations with disease recording. We have now done about 13, three yeah. are in the first book, five are in the next book, which will come Amazing. out in May of 2023. Yes. Um, I don't like to listen back to it or watch it. I find it a little challenging. Okay. Um. So, but what I do here in the moment 
is it's a little bit like I'm sitting behind myself. The problem is, so for example, we just did this course called Initiation where I was channeling for an hour, an hour and 15 minutes and taking the participants on a journey. And my team members afterwards who were collecting, you know, certain quotes or uh, certain details would say, oh, yeah. And th then that bit when they talked about what's going on under the earth and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But it's so fast and it's coming through you and it's not, you know, you so so I I get headlines, mm -hmm. but I don't tend to remember there's normally I'll come out of a one hour channeling session and there might be three or four things that I'm that piqued my interest. But my experience is it's a little bit like I'm sitting directly behind my body mm. and I'm listening, mm. but I could stop the channeling at any time. So if I wanted to just stop the whole thing, I can, but normally within about the first 30 to 45 seconds of them speak, starting the, the speaking, it's it's like I've really moved out of my own mind. It's mm. um it's a process I'm very used to now. Yes. But at the beginning, it was it was strange. And of course, it's always a little nerve-wracking because you never know <laughs> what gonna they're gonna out? say, but yeah. your name and your voice, you know. So it's all I mean, luckily I have enough history with them now that there's a trust there. Of course. Um, and enough experience. But yeah, so my experience is is abstract. But when I when I edit the books, um, I tend to to see it all again, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. But the, you know, you can't I can't retain it all. Yeah, it's like, hey guys, I need a toilet break. Be back in five. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes. And so I know that on this three dimensional plane, we're going to be using language and words to try to describe things that is just beyond the way we would normally describe it, or could even understand or describe it. And so, in your again, in your channeling experience, you obviously share things through conversation and language. You speak what's coming through. Are you hearing internal dialogue when that's happening, or are you? sensing because you mentioned that for you it's very kinesthetic and you feel so what's your transmission because we know what ours is we hear it coming out of your mouth mm. great question they they have said a couple of years ago they said that they use my uh they said i have a developed sense of 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 empathy and energy of course a developed sense of empathy and energy might mean i'm good at seven aspects of it but there are mm. 30 yes. um you know so like all of us i'm sure there are uh strengths i have and and areas i'm not as developed in but they say that they use my um emotional radar mm. to feel and sense how things are landing and i think because i've been working on camera as an intuitive back when i did readings i think i started doing them on camera in 2005 so I was on Skype back then, you know, way before um, I think everyone's on it now because of yes. the last few years. But so I had to develop that ability that if I'm not in the room with the person, can I intuitively tap in? Can I can I reach out? So there is a feeling sense in my body that I have, but it's very stream of consciousness. So when I'm speaking, like, for for example, with my energy updates, I always think of that as like halfway between disease and my own perception. Right. Um, but for me, when I am channeling disease, as 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 is in the Audible book, it's the original conversations that took place that we turned into a book. It's not mm. rated. Um, then I can hear 
the first sentence or two in my head before I start speaking the first sentence or two. And then once I start speaking the first sentence or two, it's straight through. Mm. So I, I never hear anything. But if I can talk to them right now, like if I stop for a second. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they said, you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> because, you know, it's lovely Love it. connecting with you. And, you know, I was excited, yeah. especially because of the space you hold around soulful sound. So I can do that any time of the day. And then it's just me hearing them. But when I'm channeling them through my body, um, there isn't a, there isn't a warning before what's coming. Um, and also they use language that uh, in general, the language I know, and they say that I have a wide voc vocabulary, so that helps them. Yes, yes. But there are some words that come through that I'm I'm like, I have to look that up or, mm. or I sometimes notice too, the word might be wrong. Mm. Like I'm like, oh, was that my inability, my lack of translation ability? Or I'm always fascinated by by that because it's interesting when these words are coming through fast mm. um, to, to kind of uh, hold your energy to be able to keep up with it. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. Uh, that I love that you are you are in that also curiosity in this, mm -hmm. especially after such a long time. You know, there's always this learning and growth within you as you continue to go through these experiences. So this is amazing. Um, in your book, you spoke about. I'm gonna I'm gonna quote a very particular word because I loved the way you spoke about it. And you said in the beginning that when you entered this whole realm, you had to surrender to the unplanned magic. Mm. I love that. The topic of surrender is one whole conversation on its own. But I want to talk a little bit more about that. What is your process or your relationship to surrender? <laughs> Gosh, it's so funny, Simone, because I'm I'm also a planner. <laughs> like, you know, Steve, yes. Stephen, Stephen, my husband, and I joke about this. So we've just um, you know, we just got this little apartment near my family in England, which has made me so happy because now Amazing. I can we can have a home here and come here a bit more often and um, I get to see you in person. Yes, yes. exactly. <laughs> and I have spent the last, you know, three months pulling all of this together so that when we arrived, it was the ground was laid. And of course, in my work, you know, the reason I am, I have a great team mm. and there's a lot of planning. So I always think in a weird way, you have to lay the ground and the foundation for the surrender magic to happen. Right. You know, okay. you think of a you think of a, a retreat that either you attend or that you run. So much work goes into getting that container ready so that the participants can come and have this magical experience. But it, yes. it doesn't tend to be random in our very 3D world. Hmm. So for me, the the surrender to magic is is always there whenever I do any intuitive or channeling work and for, for me on a personal level that's really good mm. because it's a, it's a beautiful uh, sprinkling of fairy dust into life but i think the the surrender to the magic for example with the book we i had asked diana edwards the psychotherapist and friend of mine who had had several private conversations with disease when we would spend time together as friends and they were always fascinating because she would ask the kinds of things i wouldn't even think about right. and I'd asked her, I said, oh, could we do a couple of recordings for my portal community, my members group? And that was it. We were supposed to do two audio recordings just to see how it went and will this work. And literally after we'd started, I think we'd done two or three, I literally heard 
this can be a book series and if you if you want if you're willing to do it we have a lot of topics to cover and this can be many 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 books so that to me was the surrendering to the unplanned magic for example there's the art of channeling which is i don't really know what's going to happen a bit like you said with this conversation we're right now we're in this creative moment where we're just surrendered to what's going to come through and we are highly influenced by your listeners and your viewers because they're in it too yes so it's not just us we're in this container that can contains in the future all of the listeners and viewers who are co-creating what comes through us so to me that's the surrender to the magic um the magic part which you can you can see as channeling you can see it as cooking in the kitchen with random ingredients that you found in your fridge and you're like oh can this work and lo and behold you cook it and it's like wow yes. so i think we're always we're always able to surrender to those m- magical moments in life whether they're what we might consider more mundane which is often mm-hmm. some of the most beautiful that there exactly. are yes. or whether it's you know the, the all the bells and whistles mystical experiences which are their own wonderful thing particularly when they first wake you up mm. particularly in those first few years when you reopen to the spirit realm and you're like oh my god and then i personally love the stage i'm at now where i just see it as normal mm-hmm. there are no longer these massive you know rocket ships to the sky although they still happen sometimes but they're more balanced in me and i know how to balance and ground them now in a different way yeah and even though they're unexpected you expect the unexpected now so yes. there's there's that element of well that's said. okay you know which is beautiful So I'd love to ask you a more personal question because mm-hmm. I know that in the field I I I think it's probably the same for you uh though I don't like to assume but I know certainly in my field and with the people around me often um people have a view when you're in a place where you're sharing you know ways of healing and transforming and the work that we do in healing and so on that you don't have your own issues you don't have your own problems it's mm-hmm. like you make it look so easy basically with all the things that you share and i've had that even with personal friends and i'm like oh it's so it's interesting why people think that they said but isn't it true you never seem to be sad i don't see you angry i don't see you i said really i was like it's kind of a surprise because of course i feel all of those things yeah. So my question really is what is a personal challenge that you with all the things that you know and all your growth and transformation that you still go through now whether that's a pattern that you want to change in yourself or a behavior whatever it is it doesn't matter but a personal challenge that you're going through in life right now or in general Great question I would say stress and overwhelm mm. and obviously you know we just bought an apartment so that that adds to your load but <laughs> but i you know i have a relationship i i can get a lot done mm. and i'm 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 a i'm a i'm an i'm a producer i'm a generator that's kind of uh, you know a lot of my id if you like and i've come to understand that's that's who i am and i look back at my childhood and that was who i was um the relationship to stress and overwhelm is something i mentioned to steven the other day and he said quite tr- rightly he said you're so much better at it now than you were when we met 7 years ago and that is true mm. but that for me is is not a place i like to find myself and of course it's going to happen like you know n- so there are two things i'm working on around that number 1 
I'm, of course, with overwhelm, you always have to look at, are you overbooking yourself? Are you overscheduling yourself? Which I used to do a lot. I really don't do that very much anymore. However, I do enjoy living life and my work to the full Mm. and keeping that balance. So, but I would say stress and overwhelm are states of being that recently in the last few months, I've kind of got my eye on changing those coming up, not in a way that I'm like, okay, can you, I don't want to judge them and I don't want to create a story around them, but I'm looking at them going, huh, what would have to change in my behaviors and patterns for me to get to a place where stress and overwhelm is not really a factor? And it's it's a tricky thing for me to say because I also think I'm probably more resourced in my inner outer life than I've ever been. Mm. And I feel like incredibly grateful for the life I have and what I get to do, the person I love, my family, my friend, you know, I've never been so grateful about life, even with all the crazy going on in the world yes. and how, yeah. how hard that is on certain days and how your heart breaks or but still stress and overwhelm, I would say. And I think also the growth of things around you. Yes. On the one hand, it's wonderful. And on the other hand, you have to be, uh, you have to dig really deep to go, okay, where is the growth not good? Mm -hmm. Where is it costing me and my life? And what do I have to trim or change to, um, to kind of, to kind of, shift things. So I'm very, very fortunate that um, I have my own production company. I'm not, I'm not somebody's thing that I have to go and do what they say, which trust me in my twenties, if I could have signed myself over to a record company or some spiritual house or agency, I would have. And thank God I didn't. And thank God I never had those opportunities, but still those, those I would say are two of the things that I've been tracking a little bit the last few months when they come up. Yeah, and I think they're they're the key really is these the self awareness around it because I've asked you that and you knew straight away right you just knew mm-hmm. that I'm looking at these things and I'm finding my way through whatever I feel are the remedies if you like or the ways through it um, rather than around it and I like that I mean stress and overwhelm is so common for so many people so that's a really yeah. great share I think a lot of people will get some value from that piece as well which is awesome. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? Cause I, I remember growing up, we, we never talked about that. That was just a fact of life. And, yes. but actually there is going to be a certain level of stress or occasional overwhelm being human, but it yes. is interesting to look at it and go, okay, what can I adjust? And yes. what, what do I need to put into place? I have a very good friend um, who I haven't seen for a long time, but wonderful person. And we were just talking lately and she was really stressed. And I, I said, well, what can you what can you trim? What can you cut? And she was like, I can't, I can't let people down. And I went, and trust me, I was you years ago, years ago, (laughs) I was you. And these days I'm like, Oh, this week's a bit overscheduled. What is the least impactful thing on everybody that I can remove? And of course, if it's a crisis or an emergency, then I'm just going to change things. And it's so interesting, our Mm -hmm. cultural programming around what we are and aren't allowed to do. And I think the women in my life, because they are often the biggest caregivers and nurturers as well as everything else they do. They tend to have the harder time in that, you know, nine times out of 10 more so than men. Yeah. And I think culturally we glorify being busy. 
oh, yeah. Harry, I'm so busy. Like, it's like, it's this badge of honor, you know? Mm. It's like sometimes just like, actually, I'm, I'm actually have a lot of free time. I'm not doing much right now, which is pretty cool. I hardly say that myself, to be fair, but I recognize that, that that's, that's something that we've learned to do. Um, and I love that you, you found many ways. In fact, just yesterday, I had a client and she came into the session very teary because she was so overwhelmed. Mm. She had so many things on her list and she just looking at it, just she couldn't, she said she feels like it's an all or nothing right now. And I, my first in, instinct was to go into, okay, what's on your list that you can't, you don't, you don't have to prioritize or what can you delegate? Then I thought, hang on a second. Right now in this state of overwhelm, she may not make the best decisions. Mm-hmm. So I said, let's just sound it out. Let's just sound it out a bit. And I got her into a sounding practice so she could just release what that overwhelm felt like in her body and in her being and in her energy to the point that she said it was an 11 when I asked if it was 10 and out of, out of you know, scale of one to 10, 10 being overwhelmed. She said it was an 11. And after maybe 10 minutes of sounding, she got to a four. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, a, that's so beautiful. I said, now, when you think about all the things that you need to do, what needs to change? And that was such a beautiful witnessing. So I kind of throw that there because sometimes the state of stress and overwhelm, you just need to, to deal with that in that point and not all the things that are causing it, but the, yes. but the actual state itself. Then you have a better place, kind of a neutral or reset or groundedness that you can then look at the rest. So it's, so, it's such a cool thing to, to experience. Beautiful. And it's so interesting because, you know, we've been here for a week now in the UK and I'm reminded, of course, because we have a bit, there's a big family here, lots Mm. of, you know, lots of different family groups. And I'm because Stephen and I have a relatively quiet life. Obviously, the work life is is very productive and we have a relatively quiet life in California and we we've we've missed a few Christmases in the UK. I forgot how busy everyone gets. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh yeah. And and um I actually cancelled something I was gonna do a couple of nights ago because I could feel that mm. rising in me. I'm like, oh, there isn't quite enough time to do all the things. Yeah. And I'm always reminded, especially when you get to a place of practicing that. The first time you do it, if you've got a lot of guilt, it might not feel good to you. You may even manifest a negative reaction from other people because you're not used to giving yourself that space. Yes. And so you you have people around you who aren't willing to give you that space either because they're mm. not used to that from you. But over time, you get to a point where people don't really mind. And often, I've heard this many times, oh, I'm kind of glad that kind of suits me. Whereas I might have gone through a moment of going... Oh, is that fair to do? Well, no, I'm really feeling I need to do it. And for me, I have like a body test that I do, which helps get me out my head. Mm. And it's literally, let's say you're supposed to go to this party and you have this thought of, oh, I don't know if I really want to go. To get out of my head, I ask my body to tell Mm. me about the future. And I literally go, okay, body, 10, 15 seconds to show me the feeling of going to the party tonight. Mm -hmm. I just feel that. And then I go, okay. 10, 15 seconds to show me the feeling of not going and staying home. And I'm like, oh, that really surprises me. I felt more open and uplifted going to the party Mm -hmm. than staying home. So it works both ways. It's not just telling you what you want to hear. Sometimes you're like, oh, actually, I felt more. Okay, well, maybe I'm supposed to go. I'm a bit tired now, but maybe I'll just, you know, sit down for 10 minutes or whatever. So the body test for me is very helpful with Mm. that very useful thing that you just shared, which is when we're up here, we Mm. aren't going to make clear decisions. We're in that spin. 
Yeah, yeah, that's beautiful. I was recently doing some workshops on creating boundaries and it's mm. similar, a body test I spoke about. In fact, the same example of a social event of what a yes feels like in the body and what a no mm. feels like in the body. And we actually do know and we can practice that. So I think it's incredible. So we have a very similar formula, if you like, um, in, in how we kind of access those things. I, I can go on and on and on about your channeling and, and your book because I'm enjoying it so much, but you're an incredible musician and I have to talk about that too. So I compose a lot of things now in very much, I would call them healing compositions. It's all about healing and, and transformation. And when I go into the studio, I, I often actually say it's a channeled experience because I don't know what's going to come out of me. I go in with a, a loose plan of a theme so that some of the, the elements that I know scientifically, let's say, support the theme are embedded. But otherwise, I would literally just do a vocal for half an hour and improvise mostly on sounds, vowel shapes, less lyrical, and just whatever wants to come out wants to come out. And then I don't edit very much. I take out a few things if it feels too busy, like the frequency is not as clean, but I never redo a take. And I know from my experience coming from the music business where I was on stage, I was touring, I was backing vocalists for this artist and that artist. I was really like, this has got to be proper. The technique has to be there. I was in my shining on this note and all of that. And then when I got into this, I was like, it doesn't matter how I sound. And that was a really interesting shift because I was like, what? It's not about sounding pretty. It's about sounding authentically and whatever needs to come out needs to come out. Fortunately, I have embedded some techniques, so it makes it an easier job, let's say. But I know that for me, it feels very much free and open. And I know whatever comes out is right, right in that moment. So I'd love to know as a singer songwriter and composer yourself, like what is your process in creating the music that you're creating? And then let's talk about your new album. Well, firstly, I need to hear some of these 25, 30 minute recordings, please. I can't wait. You, I'm going to send it to you. Them and I'm, like, I'm about oh, to send it to you. Amazing. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, well, it's interesting because what and the Z's explain this in it's either book two or book three. And of course, book three won't be out until 2024, which seems crazy now. But um, they explain that they got me first through music. Mm -hmm. So when I was 21, I started hearing these compositions in my head. Now I had been a lover of music my whole life. I had sung in musicals and, you know, I was doing lots of that kind of stuff when I was younger, but I had never, ever thought I would be someone who would hear music. And I would not only hear these melodies and these lyrics, often the lyrics would be attached to the melodies or at least half of the lyrics. Mm. And then I would have to craft the rest. Um, but also a, like arrangement details and orchestrations. And so it was the exact same part of my head. It's, it's, this mm. is where I hear the Z's just for me, it's uh, above the left-hand side of my head. It's different for all of us. Mm -hmm. And they said, we got you first through music. And then two years later, you were ready to open up um, your channeling. And funnily enough, one of my musical friends uh, at that time, when we were both at drama school together, was your wonderful cousin, Sarah, who Amazing. we love and adore. Yes. And um, yeah. And so I remember, I remember at the time, it felt like the best thing that had ever happened to me. Like when I started hearing music, it, I was in love. Like I was like, oh my God, this is a miracle. Mm. And I, it, it, you know, and still to this day, it's amazing to me. Obviously I'm a bit more used to it now, but um, 
so the way it works for me and what was interesting was back then i was very much passionate about healing and metaphysics as a uh, a student only as a student still a student today but now also a teacher of it mm. so my songwriting i would say as is not uncommon in your early 20s was very um personally focused half of the time right. and and were healing songs what has shifted as i've done more of the channeling work is i've started to write music for the groups more so for example devor who is my music brother he is based in slovenia we met in 2012 he's an incredible musician and arranger and producer and he was saying this to me the other day we are like the perfect fit because we mm. both complete things that the other needs to be able to do what we do so you know it, it's 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 yeah. a music marriage and a, mm. and a and a very deep 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 friendship mm. um so so it's been incredible with him that i brought him on board initially to soundtrack some of the channels that i was putting out we we met on stage we were put together on stage at a channeling conference and we did one experiment with making a a pop album because he had unbeknownst to me he'd been a successful musician um and performer in slovenia his whole life mm. and we tried this pop album which is called arise it came out in 2014 and then we remastered it in 2016 and it's like a spiritual pop album in that the lyrics are spiritual and very proud of about half of the record and the other half was an experiment that we didn't quite you know that we both go okay we were cutting our teeth yeah. but then what happened was the the healing influence and the channeling work we started writing songs in the workshop room oh, so wow. we would be he would be there scoring the channeling everyone would go off for lunch for 90 minutes or 2 hours if it was a long one week retreat and we would stay in the room and i would say okay we've got a lot of abandonment going on this morning mm-hmm. rejection has been a theme and the way through that we've identified is people reconnecting to themselves not looking for mm-hmm. outer um approval and so we would write that song so um i do you know 95% of the lyrics usually 100 but sometimes devor will throw in some on the words i do all the top line melodies and the harmonies mm-hmm. and then devor will do all of the arrangement and sometimes he will give me chords and i'll respond to those mm-hmm. other times i take a song to him and he will flesh it out and perhaps adjust some of the base base chords and the foundation um so that's really how it works but what's been most interesting is fusing the healing with it so i would say that the music we do these days fits into two categories it's either slap bang in sound healing or we're taking what you might consider an alternative pop sound and i don't mean shiny pop yes. i mean pop the, the popular kind of music that you hear today with great drums and bass and brilliant synths devor is a vintage synth aficionado his studio is full of vintage synthesizers but then we bring in organic instruments too and tune it all to 528 hertz yes which is a healing frequency and a frequency of love so everything gets tuned to that mm-hmm. uh and then as well as the direct sound healing we produce this you could say alternative pop sound healing music and uh and that's the journey that we're on and uh it's been amazing we've been releasing a lot of music the last few years because we were able to really 
focus on it. And I heard a soul calling on an airplane. Uh, I I was feeling real. Uh, it's a long story, but I I was feeling a draw around music, and in my head, I thought, well, I I can't really do that because I haven't got the time, and that's not what people want me for. Mm. I've got this very busy thing going on that's growing. And I literally channeled for myself and they said, without music, your soul will crumble. And I was like, mm. whoa. Yeah. So it was it was the greatest permission slip. So I basically oh my went, gosh, yes. <laughs> okay, I'll figure this out. You know, I, I will I will start to, so I really rolled up my sleeves yeah. and figured out how do we make this viable? I learned more about music district. You know, I, I just rolled up my sleeves like an entrepreneur to yes. try and figure out how we could fund the music and and make it work and that's what that's what we've been doing yes and i know you have an album that just came out as well so tell yes. us a little bit about that yeah so timelines came out seven days ago as we're recording this yeah, yeah which is amazing <laughs> it came out december 2nd amazing and um it, it's a really it's it's a funny album in that i remember when we finished the mastering which was almost a year ago in february I was a little unsure about the track listing because I was thinking, God, this is such a hybrid album. Like, does this work? You know, <laughs> we've got these very cosmic songs and very spiritual songs, and then we've got some more, does this work? And I'm I'm thrilled to say that based on the response, it really works because we've, you know, people just this week and also we, we attached it to a course. Amazing. So timelines, like all of our albums, there's a healing through line in every song. Mm. And some of the songs uh one of the songs is 20 20 years old i wrote it when i was in my late 20s but it's a song that haunted me i kept thinking you need to take that to full term and funnily enough it's a song about boundaries and <laughs> and about spirituality it kind of fuses learning about human boundaries accelerated by seeing my guides for the first time a visual i had of them and so the song is called glimmers and silhouettes because the line okay. is look up ahead glimmers and silhouettes never seen anything like this before compromise dead words i have never said prepare to hear mm. and of course that related to my human boundary journey yes. but i also realized later Oh yeah, I was about to start channeling words that I have never said publicly. So That's beautiful. Yeah. So so yeah, putting putting that album out is delightful. And the way I look at music, I don't know if it's the same for you. Music is this extraordinary invisible force that we all accept. Mm -hmm. Not many people have a problem with music, and music moves into and through our bodies and it changes us. And you don't have to think about religious beliefs or ideology or whether you're a science person or a spirituality person. Music is an accepted invisible force. So to me, I'm so grateful that music exists and the music mm. that I listen to, I love. Yes. And it's lovely to be able to put something out there and, and hopefully have it move people the way that you are moved by the music mm. that you enjoy. Yes. So there are two things that I want to say. It's very time, very timely talking about boundaries, because I asked you about your personal um, thing that you're looking at. And for me, I have certain patterns around boundaries, not in general, but in, in other ways that are actually now, I would say in the last year to two years being deeply uncovered. So not the surface stuff, 
but the stuff really deep. And I've been invited through the coaching and the work that I do to talk a lot about boundaries. So I've been invited to go through a transformation through sharing, which is so beautiful. And so I can't wait to listen to Glimmers and Silhouettes. So I'm going to listen to that because I'm going to feel the frequency. And then the second piece is, yes, I, I see music in a very similar way. And I would also add that we are music. Mm. I I feel that we are sonic beings. We have our own unique compositions and those are being heard in so many different ways and they're resonant. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're really resonant. And really, it's just about getting back in tune with ourselves. And so I like to see the world and people in that way. Um, I kind of see us as these sonic energies moving around, which mm. is, doesn't surprise me from my past, my path and the things that I'm interested in looking at further. Mm, beautifully said. Yeah, so true. And it's mm. interesting because the Z's have said that, um, and I shared this with you before we started the conversation, the recording, that that they said from 2030 onwards, sound healing will be a far more understood mm -hmm. and accepted part of the way that we live, which makes sense. Because if you think about it in tribal culture, yes, people dance and sing, which is so important to our health and our well-being yes. and yet often certainly in the in the western world that i was raised in uh, in britain that was not necessarily something that was celebrated or revered and and even the more passive act of listening to music that we've adopted mm. i love that recorded music exists but i I also think it's wonderful when people are in a stadium at a concert and they're all singing mm -hmm. and they're moving. And I think that's yeah. what it's about, you know, so whether you're doing that in your house or in a group, I think it's designed to move through us and move us in a, in a yeah. beautiful way. Yes. And I would say culturally for me, coming originally from Barbados and Trinidad, music and movement have been and are still big parts of our culture. It's just, yeah. it is celebrated and revered. So I'm very grateful for that, um, I guess, initial, I don't know if to say molding, because I don't, it's not a mold, but that cultural influence um, that has set the tone for a lot of, I think, what I do now. Mm. So this is, this is incredible. Um, as a musician, as someone who's in sound, I always love to ask people this question. What sound do you love? Mm. Mm. Our cat's purring. Oh, gosh, I know. <laughs> Close. Like just, just hearing them there. Um, I love hearing our cats purring. I love hearing my husband, Stephen, laugh. He has, mm. he has about 10 different laughs. And, you know, if I'm in another room... And I just hear him laughing at something. It just, it just makes me happy. You know which one it is. You know which laugh. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> then, you know, musically, I just, I can't get over piano music. You know, just uh, modern classical pianists like Ludovico Einaudi, Niels Fram, Oliver Arnolds. Mm -hmm. They're some of my favorites. And so, yeah, there are, there are lots of sounds, but I've just realized you asked me for one and I gave you three. So I was That's all right. <laughs> I know it's never an easy one to stick to one, but I do, I do love a cat's purr too. I've had, this is the first time I've had a cat in my life as an adult, in fact. And um, there is a lot of healing in the, in the frequency mm. of a cat's purr and they're mm. so intuitive. So often they go where they feel you, they, that you need it. And I think that's quite an interesting thing. I just love, I just love it. I love that response. Do you ever do any collaborations with your music? I know you have your your marriage with um <laughs> with your musical Devor. marriage with Devor, yes. Yeah, you know, we're very collaborative. And it's funny because Devore comes from like he wrote an opera in Slovenia, a, a rock opera that was Slovenia's oh, cool. longest running opera. So he is quite used to being a musical director. Right. So 
with all of our albums, I want to say, I mean, I know on our first album or our first of this new wave album, Awaken, mm. I want to say 35 people were on that album. Um, but collaboratively, vocally, what I most enjoyed about this album, Timelines, is Wendy Kennedy, who is a very dear friend of mine. She's a channeler mm. and she also channels light language. Amazing. We got to put some of her light language into a track that mm. felt like it would benefit from that. So that was cool. And then Ricky Byers, uh, formerly Ricky Byers Beckwith, who mm-hmm. um, was married to Michael Bernard Beckwith for many, many years. And she would do the um, all the music at Agape in LA. Yeah. She is a guest vocalist on Somewhere Between on Timelines. Mm-hmm. And I have loved Ricky's voice since I first heard it many years ago. And so asking her and her saying, yes, I will bring mm-hmm. my voice. She has this, I, I need, we needed a really wise powerful embodied and surrendered voice and ricky is that so yeah we we collaborate as much as we can i love that well i can't wait to listen to the album and of course i will be popping that and all the other links below i i think we need to have another conversation in the future because there's just so there's just so much that's that's still brimming and i know that um that we're coming close to our time um so i want to say first and foremost um thank you so much for your presence and who you are and all the work that you're doing to help people heal and thrive and, and just really connect deeply with what's possible. And I just love the way you're doing it. It resonates with me because I know we have not because we also, but also because we have some similarities in sound healing and sound and voice that I can so relate, but also just all the incredible things I've witnessed you over the years, helping people with their businesses, with their intuition. It's like you kind of tackle it from all angles, all Mm -hmm. dimensions, all ways, so holistically and beautiful. And I'm super, super grateful and honored to have you join me in this part of of the the podcast as well so thank you so much for your youngness thank you well thank you for having me it's been absolutely delightful and and i'm honestly just i'm incredibly grateful that i get to do what i do in such a multi-dimensional way it's not lost on me that you know it's a very privileged position that i get to be in so to me i i i'm i'm blown away that i get that this gets to be my job so yeah i'm very grateful for that and thank you and thank you for having me Of course. And we, of course, will put all of the links below the episode and you can find Lee and his website at leeharrisenergy.com. Of course, all the links to follow. Um, But before we close, I ask my guests one final question, Lee, and that what is your soulful sound, which is a self prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? Hmm. And it's a sound, not a word. No, it can be a word or a uh-huh. phrase. I call it a soulful sound because to me, whatever you expressed is that sonic expression of it. So you can you can sound if you like, but also you can speak into it. You know that it's December, so I guess it's in the air, but peace on earth, mm. peace on earth. Like if you, if we culturally were able to attain generate and hold peace in ourselves as a world the planet would look so different and of course in our lifetime will we see that who knows probably unlikely we're probably this continuing bridge generation but i think when you say the words peace on earth 
to me, what that means is a harmonic frequency that can exist mm -hmm. between people, for the planet, for all of the creatures. Yeah, peace on earth. Peace on earth. Well, here's some peace on earth. So, so much love. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.